0: hello friends welcome back to the tom broback podcast i thought i would give you a special episode today tomorrow i turn 32 years old it is my birthday ten ten. the best day to have birthday on the entire calendar so i thought i'd give you this new episode my good friend keith ferrara and i we talk about knee injuries what to do after an acl tear well how does weight training and rehab look similar and different we get into all that nitty-gritty stuff so you should definitely check out the episode today you'll learn a lot from it i'm starting to do a lot more twitter spaces now if you're not familiar with these a twitter space is kind of like a webinar but it's all audio so you just hop on twitter you click on the space icon in the bottom of your phone and you listen into to uh to keith and i talk a few i'll have a few other guests on as well i'll probably do some solo ones so if you're looking for more content outside of the podcast I will be doing some Twitter spaces live. You can ask questions, you can give comments, feedback, and then I'll be reposting them to this podcast as well. Also, information for you, I'm having an online course come out in November on how to avoid meniscus surgery. If you have a chronic or even acute meniscus tear and you don't want to have surgery, I go through an entire course of what you need to know on that. Stay tuned for information. If you want more information on that or what I do, I help coach people out of knee pain. You can reach out to me several different ways. I am most active on Twitter or as now known as X. You can send me a DM there. You can shoot me a DM on Instagram, at Tom Broback. I'm at Tom Broback. I'm basically everything, LinkedIn, Twitter, Facebook, Instagram, uh, X, Whatever you wherever you need to find me. It's at Tom Broback, the one and only. You can also shoot me an email twbroback at gmail.com. Send me an email with any need questions that you have. I also have a newsletter that you can sign up for. All the information, get over to Twitter. It's the best place to be right now. Thanks for listening to the podcast as always. Hope you love the episode.
1: Um, no, no way. Yeah. And I, and I actually, yeah, uh, I, I love tonight's topic, especially because uh, I think it's so prevalent. And, you know, t- tonight <laughs> for people that can't see that right now, um, you know, we were going to talk about knee injuries and um, I'm so interested to hear your side of things because I know we, we're we going to have different perspectives based on uh, the different types of uh, clients we see and, and when we see them at mm-hmm. different points. Um but yeah, you know, I, I said earlier, I, I think the biggest thing, you know, and I would like to start off with this is, you know, we see with there's a lot of tension online when people talk about injury prevention and, you know, what our role as, uh, you know, working with performance athletes is, or anyone who's trying to stay healthy and what our actual, um, you know, role is as a coach and as a professional. What what is your whole take on, on the situation of uh, you know, injury prevention. Where do you stand? Do you think that it, that term is nonsense? Do you think we should be using a different terminology? Where
0: do you stand in that spectrum? Yeah, we could argue about the semantics of this all night, but the, you know, you don't, when you're a kid or even if you're an adult, you don't go and train to prevent injury. That's not why you go to the gym. That's at least in your head, right? That's not what you're thinking of. You're thinking of, how do I get stronger? How do I get faster? How do I absorb force more? How do I get better at my sport? How do I get more muscle? Those are all better options for going to the gym, for training, uh, for working out. The The side effect, the positive side effect is... Uh, you, you, you should have less injuries if you are committed to working out, committed to a healthy lifestyle. Um, that, that's a side effect, a, a positive side effect, is you are less likely to get hurt, right? So um, we can't ever prevent all injuries, right? Especially when we're talking about contact sports, um, whether it's football, hockey, lacrosse. Um, there's, there's, there's too many things uh, to me, very well that like go into play when it comes to uh, to injuries, right? So the goal isn't to prevent all injuries. That just just it's not realistic. It doesn't make sense. It's not why we're here. Uh, the The goal of training is to reduce the likelihood you get hurt. And if we are able to do that, then we're achieving our mission, right? So, what are your thoughts on? uh, injury prevention. And then is that something coaches talk about or athletes talk about? Yeah.
1: I I think it's funny when you'll hear athletes or coaches talk about, oh, you know, uh, and this is, I would say really low level thinking like, oh, you know, that exercise is is to prevent injuries. And I I always get a good laugh out of that. Uh, I, I never am on the side of our job is to prevent injuries. That's not possible. Now, I'm a, the, the phrase I always use is, is injury reduction. And, you know, the cool thing about being in, in one place, you know, I'm, I'm going on my 10th year at Adelphi now. And, and the cool thing is that mm-hmm. you start to notice trends. So, you know, prior to my arrival and then since the 10 years since I've been doing it. And what we've noticed is our incidence of ACL injury is minimal. Uh, And I'm talking about, you know, some programs like basketball, men's and women's, we've had zero in the 10 years I've been working with the sport. And, Mm -hmm. you know, and those numbers are very similar uh, across all sports. So while I don't and and the funny thing about that, Tom, is that I'm the only consistent variable in this study, right? Like, we've had different coaches. We've had different types of practices. We have different athletes over that, you know, 10 years. But one thing's remained the same is that we've always had a, a low incidence rate. So I think it would be incorrect to say, Hey, there's nothing you can do because I've seen that go around as well. Like, Oh, it's pure luck. Right. And, don't get me wrong i I think part of it is lucky god's looking over you you know your your knee gets in a weird position and you don't tear it versus someone that you know we had a a girl playing volleyball it was during Mm -hmm. the the pandemic she just jumped in the first five minutes of a warm-up and and she tore acl like and something you would never expect so luck is obviously part of it but i also Mm -hmm. think the training that you do plays a huge role in reducing that risk of injury. So while injury prevention, I think, is a silly term, I think the reduction uh, of the risk of injury is
0: really one of our main objectives. Exactly. And there is research to back that up, especially for ACLs. If you do an out-of-season and an in-season strength training program, focus on the right things, you can reduce the likelihood of that happening um which is obviously good especially for a serious injury like an acl um so those are the things we really want to encourage and focus on now you guys have had such a low uh injury with uh i think you said both basketball yes, sir. Teams. Yep. um it you can take that kind of two ways you can be like on the reason which like 100 in a nutshell isn't true but you can also say hey this is this is uh it's good marketing to the freshman coming in like hey you do this stuff we get these results we've had you know knock on wood some pretty good health it creates buy-in for people to do your process and your systems and things like that uh because the because the opposite would be true too if if you had a lot of injuries it's not necessarily your fault right? right but if you consistently have a lot of injuries all the time and then you audit your program it's like oh maybe there's something we can improve here. So, yeah, I
1: think that's that's a great point because uh, and it's been said over and over again, but it's true. Like yeah. they're recruited to play their sport, especially when you get to the college level, but at the high school level mm-hmm. as well, right? Like they're just learning. They they're unfamiliar with, you know, how what what training looks like or what it's supposed to, you know, the format it's supposed to be throughout the entire year. And you just mentioned it participating year round is and that's what I think the biggest part of this is, is consistency. You know, if if Mm -hmm. I see you and I'm sure you get this a lot, you know, when clients that are consistent versus ones that aren't, you know, the ones that are going to stay healthy are the ones that consistently train and, and not only consistently train, but train with, with intent. You know, it, it doesn't matter the program we give to anybody. You can have, you can be the best programmer in the world, but if the athlete that you're working with or the client you're working with isn't a hundred percent bought in, what, what's the benefit, you know? And it's so interesting. And I would love to hear your thoughts on this. I've, I've thought about this so much because I am not a me person at all. I don't, I'm never like, Oh yeah, we don't tear knees because it's oh, it's me. Never say that, you know, cause I think you got,
0: that's kind of, you know, egotistical, but but yeah. I'm, I, and you know what ha- you know what happens. Then. Yeah, Next right. Game, exactly. Something happens. Like, oh, you thought you're were the new exactly. Guy, right? So yeah. because you're right, we, we we have
1: no control over that. So you know, yeah. part of me is in, in just like thinking about it. I'm like, all right, well, you know, at the division two level, we have good athletes. We don't have elite athletes, but we have good athletes. Is yeah. the is there not enough? Just as we when we talk about sprint training, right? Like. The elite athletes, the fast athletes, they need time to recover between reps where lower level athletes do not or athletes that are new to training do not because they don't have that same level they can reach. With lower Mm -hmm. level athletes, is the risk less because they just don't have that same risk because their force and power output isn't high? Um, That's something I always thought about. I would love to hear what what your, your feedback is on that.
0: Yeah, so if you can't get to a certain like if we're talking about hamstring uh, strains with sprinting, that's kind of like a common injury uh, for athletes. If you can't get to a certain velocity, you're probably not going to put enough force through that hamstring to uh, to strain it, right? Uh, but on the on the same uh, same coin different side, athlete doesn't have ne- the necessary tools, strength, Adaptive distress, uh, range of motion that an elite athlete would. So maybe they can't handle those forces, even those lower forces as well. Um, So that would be a really good. I don't even know how you'd make a study for that. Um, But yeah, I think when well, I and I know it's a lot of contact, but we see a lot of non-contact injuries at the highest level, especially like NBA, NFL, um, and these are elite athletes, right? right? They should be able to handle. You think they would be better adapted at handling stuff, but maybe they are putting just so much uh, stress force, change of direction that it's just hard to keep up with anyway. So very good question. That's a good question. And I think, I think it's interesting
1: because, you know, I'm a big Yankees fan and and they're, they're riddled with injuries and it's like, no one can figure it out. And, And the only thing I could say is, And this regard to any injury, but like, again, and and this is stuff that me and you directly control, but what does the program look like? You know, when someone has repeatable knee pain, like what are they doing? And it's not only the program, right? It's lifestyle, it's sleep, it's nutrition, it's all of these factors. But what does the training program look like? And I'm always interested to hear that, you know, when you do hear from these professionals and they talk about their program, they're not training that hard. And I still go back to it's so fun. One of the things I see, I don't know if you've seen or heard people come about, people destroy the squat, right? Like, oh, man, uh, it it, it puts so much sheer force on the knee. It it puts them in, uh, you know, uncomfortable positions. Tom, that's the one thing that stayed consistent with my programming in my 10 years. We squat all the time, you know, and and Mm -hmm. we squat year round. Um, And, you know, I remember when I was originally on your podcast, we talked about, you know, knees over toes. Mm -hmm. And, like, yeah, we expose our athletes to that. And uh, mm-hmm. I truly believe that. And, again, we have, like, minimal knee pain as well. And it's, like, I think that all plays a factor.
0: Yeah. It, you know, it's, it's so funny with the squat stuff because, like, doctors all the time will say, um, you know, no, no squatting for two weeks or six weeks. And they just put this huge umbrella term on squat. And it's like, all right, how are you going to get out of a chair? How are you going to get up and point. off the toilet? Yeah. How are you going to get it up and off? Like, that's literally a squat motion. It's not bad, but are you doing, uh, you know, are you doing uh, squats with appropriate load, with appropriate volume, at appropriate time? So you're working with a coach, things like that. Are you working with a trainer? Are you working with a therapist? Things like that. And are you are you handling it well? And if you're not, are you... Are you regressing down? If you can't do uh, a a normal back squat or even like a split squat, are you going back to goblet squats? Are you doing some isometric holds or are you just kind of cranking out because all your teammates are doing it too? And I'm sure you see that all the time where you're just trying to keep up with your teammates – and maybe it's like, hey, ask for a regression because you'll actually do better. For yeah, that. yeah, I for sure do. And that actually, you know, when you talked about that, that brought me uh,
1: to, to what a, a big question that I have for you is where do you start when that knee pain comes? So someone comes to you, uh, it doesn't matter what they do. It could just be everyday life because knee pain could be an everyday issue as well that if you can't, like you just said, get out of a chair or you can't walk up the stairs, that's going to significantly affect your quality of life. Where do you start? Where do you regress to when someone comes to you with that initial knee pain? Are you someone that is very like, let's scale back? Or are you one like, hey, let's work through it through other measures that we know we can still kind of strengthen everything around that knee so that you're able to do it you know, sooner rather than
0: later? Yeah, so when I was first starting off of my career I the, the kind of the prevalent idea was oh like if you have knee pain it's coming from the hip or the ankle right because the they're they're indirect but they directly kind of control where that knee goes in space and there might be times to that too and it always comes back to like what was your assessment what did you see but I see a lot of people just skipping over uh, directly loading the knee whether you're doing uh, you know, gastroc, adductors, hamstring, quad strengthening, squats, lunges, deadlifts, whatever you want to call it. Um, so what I usually start with is I just find a few isometrics. If you're coming in and you have, you know, anterior knee pain, if your patellar tendons flared up, uh, if you tweaked your knee, you don't know what's going on. I usually start with isometrics because you can you can load them pretty good with body weight or with weights. It doesn't aggravate the knee as much. They're easy to do at home. They're pretty safe. They're easy to progress. So I usually try to find like two, three, maybe four isometrics people can do. Um, And what the ones they want to do, I mean, obviously I have ones that I I think are better. I think that are smarter and I think they do more. But at the end of the day, I just want to find something you can do. If you want to do a wall sit, great. If you want to do a split squat, great. If you want to go on the leg sensor machine and kick as hard as you want, that's totally fine with me. Whatever isometric you want to find, great. But let's load the quads, let's load the hammies, let's load the glutes, um, and let's just at least start there if you're in a ton of pain. Uh, that's what I usually try to do, and it usually works for a lot of people. And, and most people just need that baseline uh, stimulus of of doing some strength training. Anyways, so starting with isometrics, I have found has been just it's helpful because it's still intense. And if you don't think it's intense, try holding a three-minute split squat and let me know how yeah, you feel. that's, that's um, a, one of the most challenging exercises yeah. you'll find. <laughs> and, that's, and that's really where I got pushed because I used to do isos. It'd be like, oh, these are like easier, right? So like you can still make them super hard. Or if you don't want to do three minutes, fine. Do 30 seconds. you better be holding some heavy dumbbells because like, you should be tired at the end. You still have to make it hard you just got to find a way to make it less painful. Yeah, and if because they can't, and if yeah, you're pulling into yeah.
1: that position, it's not that easy.
0: Now, if you if you just if you yeah, just drop yeah.
1: and, and you're not actively pulling, then yes, it's it's right. it's not as difficult. But if you are actively pulling yourself down into that position, you should really feel uh you should feel it everywhere. It, that's a, even for a healthy yep. person that that's a tough uh, position to get into. But I, I see that's that's what I love and where me and you're on the same page. I think that when people get these injuries, the first thing that a doctor may recommend or somebody, you know, that they're getting advice from is, well, just stop doing it. Um, and, and, and and, and don't get me started on the whole rest thing. I, I can't stand it. I, there's just certain situations where rest is appropriate. There's certain situations, you know, maybe people like to, I I'm not big on ice, but maybe people, you know, they feel like they need it mentally. Okay. But like when athletes or anybody comes to me and they're like, my knee hurts, I need to ice it. I, I, I laugh. Cause I'm like, that's not doing anything. Like, first of all, why does your knee hurt? That's the first question we have to ask. Not what mm-hmm, modalities right? do we have to use to limit the pain. Yeah. Um, w- why is it hurting? There's got to be a reason. There's got to be something that's going on that's causing that knee pain. Now, the worst thing you could do is just to stop doing everything. think it- you know, that's that's a famous, especially in, in, in collegiate settings. Oh, just do upper body. I mean, right. that's idiotic. <laughs> you, <laughs> you clearly have a problem with your lower right. body. We need to continue to do what we can. Now, one of the easiest things that I found that usually people don't say boo about squatting, they always like, oh, I can't hurts my knee. I'm like, let's trap our deadlift. And for some reason, there's like, oh, yeah, okay, I can deadlift. That's easy. They do the deadlift. And then I just trick them because I still want to be exposed to those end ranges of motion. So we'll do a single leg variation where we get into that deep knee bend position, whether it is uh, a highly elevated step up, whether it is a front foot elevated split squat. Um, you know, a, a Bulgarian, whatever exercise you want to choose. and that can be unweighted, That's fine. Uh, or it can be lightly weighted with you know two dumbbells. Um, but I think that combination of well trap bar you can load up pretty heavy and they don't have pain in that position because trap bar is usually more, I would say of a half the quarter squat position. And I still kind of consider it a squat. <laughs> it's just your it's more of a you know uh, a, a pull. Or, or, you know, you're still pushing into the ground. Otherwise, the, the, you wouldn't be able to get the weight up. Um, but I feel like that combination still exposes our, you know, all of the muscles that we need to be incorporated without necessarily
0: just squatting where people think, oh, my knee hurts. I need to stop squatting. It's, it's so funny because you can measure the knee angle on uh, like a single leg position, like you said, versus like a normal squat. It could be the same exact knee angle, but because you call it a deadlift, (laughs) you'll think it's better for your knees or safer. And it's just, it's funny how our brains work and how we can trick ourselves into thinking. And the other argument too that, and this is usually like a coach's argument, is like squatting versus deadlifting. And I'm just like, isn't, they have the same objective. Like you're pushing yourself away from the ground. You're trying to put force into the ground. Like I don't really care which one well, you well, do or what you I do more. And, and that's
1: hilarious. Just, and people
0: will be like, "Oh, we
1: need the quarter yeah. squat," but then, "Oh, the deadlifts are waste." It's like you don't even know what you're talking. You're. It's the same exercise. <laughs> like, and, and, yep. and, and it's crazy because I, it's the same. I, to me, it's a preference, and I think that's big when you're training yeah. anyone in compliance. It's like, all right, preference. Listen. You know, it's like when you're giving your kids choices, you give them two choices, but they're actually both your choices. And, you know, they're going to pick one of them, but both of them work. And I always feel like the the trap bar deadlift is, you know, people like to bash it, but I I think there is benefit. Um, So let's go, let's go into, let's take it a step further. They tear their ACL, worst case scenario. What are your steps you know, because they, uh, they'll come and they'll come and see you, right? If an athlete tears an ACL or anybody tears an ACL, they'll they'll go to the PT, right. they'll go to the doctor for some recommendations. And I, what's crazy, Tom, is I never hear kind of a uniform answer here. Um, I, I think it's all over the place. Uh, what what is yeah. your first recommendation to a person prior
0: to surgery who who tears their ACL? Yep. Yeah, so with uh, with an ACL, actually with with any. Um, Someone's going to be like, oh, what about this one? But basically for any uh, knee injury, there's four initial things you need to look at, um, whether it's an ACL, whether you sprained something else, or you just bumped your knee into the wall. There's four things you need to look at. And this should be pretty universal. If you're going to good PT, either they – if they're not looking at this, they're assuming it's good, which we shouldn't assume. Uh, and sometimes I do. Like it, it, everyone does. Like, oh, that looks good. You know, you just – you don't tell me that this is wrong. Like I, you'll be fine. But uh, there's four main things you should be looking at. So the first two are range of motion. You should be looking at how straight does your leg get and how much does it bend up? And now the beauty of the human body is you have two sides, right? So you can compare side to side. Do you have a lot of hyperextension? Some people do. do you, are you super mobile and can bend your knee up all the way? Are you a little bit stiff on each side? You should be comparing your range of motion each side when you have an ACL tear to make sure the range of motion is good. You don't need to do any passive stretching to restore it. The next thing you look at is your swelling. So if there's a lot of swelling in that knee that's telling us, hey, there's something going on there, body's not liking it, we need to do some things proactively to get that down, and we might need to adjust some uh, variables in the weight room or in your daily life so that swelling doesn't keep coming back. And then the last thing that should look at – you know, all muscle strength is important, but especially for the knee, we just want to look at that quad tone. So can you uh, squeeze that, squeeze that quad, relax it, squeeze that quad, relax it. And can you do that the same as the other side? Maybe do some leg lifts laying down, try to just get an initial assessment of what the quad's like. So those four things are all super impactful and you have to, you know, when they're all better, you, it's called the quiet knee. And I stole that from a couple of good therapists. You get that knee quiet, it's feeling a lot better, then you can progress the exercises from there. But if you skip that stuff, you're just setting yourself – it's like any foundational thing. If you can't squat, you can't deadlift, can't lunge, you're going to be a hard time progressing those things in the weight room if you can't do the basics.
1: Yeah, I like that. So would your recommendation be to – prior to surgery of any kind for the knee to get as strong as possible in those different positions or – you know? Do you have people that recommend, you know, just resting before surgery? Which one is more ideal for that
0: person who injures their knee going into surgery? Yeah. So like, just like you and I talked about, you're like, people need to get in the weight room, like all year round. You have to be consistent. You have to be intense. During the season, you would never just take six weeks off just to take time off. Like you have to keep doing stuff. Like the body was designed to move. We were designed like a chair, like a comfy chair. We don't have to move as much, but we're designed as as mobile organisms and creatures. So you got to find a way to keep moving. Um, and 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 there's so many reasons for this. So uh, I've been using this this analogy lately. If if you have a thousand or let's say a hundred dollars in your bank account, and you lose ninety of them, you're really gonna feel that, right? And we've all probably been at a point in our life where we add a hundred dollars in a bank account. And the thought of losing 90 was terrifying, right? Sounds so, awful. Uh, yeah, <laughs> I, I think, I think most people can relate to that. So it, 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 and that's like, if you're just not prepared going into surgery, you're not strong you're not mobile. You, you, you know, you don't have the stress figured out. If you have a hundred thousand dollars in your bank account and you lose 90, like you're not worried about it. You got some good investment strategies. You're probably gonna get that back just on interest alone soon enough. Like, the ninety will to get taken care of, and the hundred grand represents: Are you as strong as possible? Do you have your full motion? Is your swelling gone? Uh, are you doing everything possible to get yourself ready for surgery or trying to get back to your sport? So that investment piece—that's why we do all this strength training because the goal isn't to uh, to avoid injury our whole life. Like it's just not possible, no matter who you are, unless you just lay couch all day or lay in bed all day and then go on walks, but. At some point, you, you're probably going to hurt if you play sports long enough. The goal is how fast you respond from those injuries. And the more investment you have up front, the easier it's going to be able to respond to those injuries, both in terms of you probably will get hurt less severe and you'll probably bounce back from the less severe ones quicker, which is the whole goal. Because the best, my dad always said this growing up, and it drove me crazy, but he's absolutely right. The, <laughs> best, the best ability is availability yeah, so or durability, right? Yeah, I'm sure you've heard that a hundred times. Of course, I'm sure you got some sports teams where it's like, you know, what if we were just healthy, could have been a lot better. Yeah, um, both at the college level and pro level. Um, But uh, no, I'm sure you get kids all the time where like, oh, like I hurt my knee. Like, can I miss the workout for a week or two weeks? And it probably just drives you batty.
1: Yeah, and and it's just not beneficial to them, and they and they don't even know. And it's usually because listen, uh, most younger kids don't know right like uh we we had an athlete that had knee pain and uh you know first thing she says is oh you know should i see her the following day and it's like oh yeah my knee swelled up because i didn't get ice on it does now it doesn't mention the three games in two days they played that had nothing to do with the, the knee pain it was the ice that she didn't put on after so it's like it's just you know it's not that it's not their fault because this is our job, right? So we're always going to have a higher understanding. And, and it's and it's our job to be like, hey, listen, why don't we try this? And I always say that. Why, try it. Try it, mm-hmm. right? Like, I we don't want to live in absolutes because everyone's got different pain tolerance. Everyone has different, you know, things they're comfortable with. So we don't just want to be like, do this. For example, like, uh, you know, I had compartment syndrome after the surgery, 17 days right. later. I had drop foot and I was balls to the wall. I was pushing prowlers. I was doing everything I could, you know, and I shouldn't have. But that's just my mentality. Not everyone has that. And and Mm -hmm. that's a big thing I've learned with dealing with injured athletes over the years is that everyone responds different. So some athletes might be you know, willing to jump right into it. Others are a little bit more hesitant. But you made a really good point right there. How much you invest prior to these injuries happening will – Affect when you get injured and Mm -hmm. for the athletes that I've worked with that, let's say they don't put a great effort in, which it's not many, but then they get hurt. Forget it. They're never the same. Right. Because now you're working from scratch, right? Not, not only are you working from scratch, now you're starting with a negative bank account. You you put no time. Yes. you Mm -hmm. put in the minimal viable effort. Now the injury happens. Now you're in a deficit. Right. So the best thing you can do prior, because you said, it, you said it, it, right? Everyone gets hurt. It, and it could be varying different levels of hurt. But there's a good chance that if you're playing for a very long time, and remember, a lot of us start when we're kids. You're playing for a very long time. Something's going to happen. Now, that doesn't mean it's the end of the world. I've seen right. so many athletes come back, and it's very common. They're better than before they got hurt. And that's just because they put the work in prior to an injury actually happening. So that's a very important piece of everything we're talking about tonight is the time invested before is critical right. to what happens after. Um, now, let me ask you, they get the surgery, Does any knee injury, they get the surgery yep. – um what's the time frame to when they can get back to training normal now i personally you know obviously six months people hear six months right all the time oh six months you'll be fine and that's for an acl different injuries right. you know they'll give you different time frame i have not seen them come back for the athletes we have seen with you know acls particularly they're not the same for a year you may be cleared but mentally, right. you're not there yet. Like people see uh, Adrian Peterson and they see, you know, Brees Hall and the Jets now, they're freaks. They're the top zero 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 one percent of the population. Right. Yes, they can come back quicker than someone who's, you know, uh, of average ability. So, what is your usual time frame post, uh, you know, post surgery for uh, the people
0: that you work with, and what should be the appropriate steps and progression they see over time? The uh, Adrian, Pe- I don't know if Adrian Pearson was the best thing or the worst thing to happen for A.C. <laughs> Andrews because he he set this unbelievable gold standard of, you know, nine months later, and I'm a, I'm a huge Vikings fan. Uh, yeah, yeah. Nine months later, I think he won the MVP that year, and he's like, I'm just going to be a beast. Um, <laughs> and I believe, just, I think
1: Cam Akers, uh, maybe he was Achilles, yes, on the, Achilles on the Rams. I think he came yeah. back in the
0: same season. It was like five months or something. Incredible. And it's like. It's like, all right, go do what Adrian Peterson does, and then we can have like we can compare, right? <laughs> yeah, like, yeah. Be Adrian go, Peterson, then we'll talk. <laughs> go, go run for two hundred ninety-six yards your first game in the NFL or whatever it was, and uh, then we'll talk. But no, for so um, it uh, it's so amazing when the ACL discussion comes up because everything is time based, right? Oh, how long does it take? What time? Six months, nine months, a year, and. As with any other injury, just because time has passed, it doesn't automatically qualify you to progress to the next activity or back to sport. So, for example, there's a lot of uh, uh, protocols out there that say people can start running at 12 weeks or 16 weeks or 8 weeks, you know, whatever the doctor, surgeon, or therapist outlines. Well, that's just a rough time frame of when they expect you to do it. If you have terrible strength, you have a ton of swelling, and you can't bend your knee, you're not ready to run, even if it's been four months. So I think the time frame stuff, um, it kind of gets in the way. It's almost like like in school, if you don't pass your classes, you don't just go on to the next grade. You know, that's a great, you gotta, that's a great and, point, yeah. And this is more like in like, I mean, I mean yeah, you just don't go on to eighth grade. if You don't pass seventh grade. You got to redo seventh grade. So it's hard. I get it. And rehab, it's hard because you're, You know you're four months out you haven't run yet and you're like i'm still doing these basic exercises it's like yeah you haven't done them enough your body isn't responding enough to progress but in general um now with training and i would love to hear your your opinion on this once so there's a combination of therapist and trainer right so in the first like couple weeks you know it could be anywhere from two to six weeks it should be probably almost all physical therapy uh, just to make sure everything's going well. But once everything is stable, and that's way sooner than people think, you can go start lifting upper body. You can go start doing modified cardio. You can go start doing lifts on your other leg. And a uh, strength and conditioning coach, personal trainer, if, if you know, like, and trust them and they know what they're doing, they can help you with that. Um, and so it's a collaboration effort between the therapists and the coaches of how do we get this athlete back to sport? And then as time goes on, it's more about the training and less about the rehab because they should be similar in terms of their goals and what they're doing. They shouldn't be all, therapy looks like this and training's way different than that. You should be doing similar things uh, uh, later down the road. Yeah. Um, Do you you get that with your athletes?
1: I know you guys have carry
0: CLs there, but... Yeah, (laughs) (laughs) yeah. yeah. Don't jinx it. Um,
1: But... But, yeah, so number one, it's, like you said, collaborative every time. And the first couple of weeks, they're you know fully with the ATC, they're with the PT um, and, uh, until the, I think you said it perfectly. We shouldn't be going by time. Time doesn't mean anything, right. you know, like yeah. oh, because everyone's it's so funny. Everyone's body's different. So why are we having everyone on this similar timeline? You know, exactly. and, and, and that's a big thing. And if you're an athlete or anybody listening to this, do not compare yourself to anybody. That's the, so, you know, uh, they say comparison is the beef of joy. And I've, I've yeah. always loved that line. It's like mm-hmm. when you compare yourself to others, you're just asking for trouble. No one is the same, uh, especially when it comes to injuries. Everyone recovers at different rates. If you're older, it may take longer. If you're younger, it could be faster. You know what I mean? But, Right. So my thing, my big thing is, it's almost like default to the the PT and the ATC when hey, let me know what they can do. And one of my first objectives is restoring range of motion because that mm-hmm. is the biggest issue I see. And I'm not mm-hmm. just talking about in the weight room because that's what people often think about. Is like, well, what lifting can they do? It's well, a big part of what these athletes do is sprinting and jumping, and If you have poor range of motion when you're sprinting, you can't put as much force into the ground. You can't put as much power moving horizontally. You're going to be at... And then your sprint mechanics are all messed up. So instead of pushing into the ground you're now pulling because you don't have the same range of motion. You don't have the same force capabilities. So a big thing, you know, I will hammer away at the a series over and over again. And Mm -hmm. all of, all of our athletes do that anyway, because I don't think anyone's too good to be skipping, you know, foundational movements, but number one objective is like, Hey, we got to get you moving. Like you moved prior to, and that's only going to happen with consistent effort. Now with regards to the weight room, maybe we start with something like a safety bar squat, you know, where Mm -hmm. they can take some of the, the, the stress and the balance off the system and they can just focus on range of motion. Or maybe we start with some dumbbell variations, just exposing the body to those deep knee bend positions. But After you're able to get that range of motion, then to me, it's just time and we're just stacking day after day and we're building upon what, you know, the previous days work. So to me, once you get that range of motion back, everything else is now it's like, all right, now we can get to work. But if you're limited in that range of motion you're going to be limited in how much you can accomplish. So, and I'm not talking about static mobility drills. Yes. You have to get out there and move. You have to, because it's crazy, right? Like, Oh, you know, when we, we have had these injuries and, Oh, look, I feel strong. And I'm like, that has nothing to do with it. And I've often seen, and we're lucky enough where we, you know, we, we use the isometric bell pull as our, as our quote unquote strength measurement. Most of the time, Tom, the injured leg is stronger than the other one anyway. So to me, that's not a great indication of anything. You know, when people are like, oh, my leg is is stronger. And it's like, who cares? That's not, it doesn't matter. And I guarantee if I measure that prior to getting hurt, you have that same imbalance anyway. So so to me, that's not an indication. My indication, and this is why I think it's crucial, you have to have assessments in place prior to these injuries happening. Because now we can look back. Now we can see, all right, what was your, peak velocity in the 30 meter what was your vertical what was uh your your reactive strength index because to me that is are you ready to play are you ready to right. MP? and you know what we've seen and i was just looking at some you know prior uh to, to hopping on with you i'm like let me look at some of the you know acl injuries that we've had and you know once they are cleared it doesn't take long for them to get back to where they were you know we had a girl who Mm -hmm. was, she was about a six, four meters per second in, in the, in the 30, not fast, um, you know, hurt her knee after she got back and was cleared to play. She was at a six, seven, six. So significant improvement. Um, and then over time, over the next year, we've got her up to about a seven, three meters per second. So it was faster than she ever was when she was injured. Um, and that's, I think in part of, you know, she's getting older, she's getting more time training, so it's a combination of reaching that genetic potential but continuing to work some you know, key foundational movements that you've got to get good at. But I, I, I think the, the biggest thing that you need to do after you restore that range of motion is then attack it with intensity because that's the only thing that's going to get you back to what your
0: previous level was. I'm always surprised how many people are walking around with the, – the term is bent knee. So like when you take a step and you can't fully extend your knee, well, there's an issue there and <laughs> right. you'll see people who they didn't even have a recent surgery and they're walking around the bent knee it's like well one your quads not engaging as much uh your knees probably taking on a lot more stress than it needs to there's no way your mechanics are as good as they can be and this is probably leading to more issues down the road so absolutely restoring range of motion and a functional range of motion can you actively use it can you use it in the drills that you need to be good at not just passively on the table do you look good can you get that active motion as long along with passive motion. And that's where good training comes in because, uh, you know, you, you have a smart coach who identifies these things, who knows what to look for, who knows how to progress it. You're going to be with your coach a lot longer than your PT. So Mm, having that, uh, just that, uh, symbiotic relationship. So going back to my biology days, (laughs) um, (laughs) it, uh, it, it, it absolutely matters. Um, and, and I think athletes, it's it's they just don't. It's like when I bring my car to the shop, I don't know what's wrong with it. I don't know what it needs. I don't know anything about it. I just don't know cars. So it's not that I'm incompetent. I just don't have that knowledge. So athletes are not incompetent when it comes to their knee. They just don't know what to look for. And they don't know what's normal. And they don't know what's, you know, oh, my other side is. Maybe it's super hyperextended. Is that good, bad, or Right, And it's always hard. And like your example, of your injured side is, you know, 20% stronger than your non-injured side. Is that what it was before? Is that a problem? Is that something we have to work on? Is it indifferent? It's, it's, it's always hard to know.
1: Yeah, and I think uh, uh, another key that, you know, all athletes don't understand is, not every day is paramount to being your best day and there's going to be bad days right there's going to be days where and i see them all the time where it's like coming back from an injury and your time is slow you know Mm -hmm. or you have a breakthrough and you ran a fast time and now you're wearing a worse time and you're like oh my god that's natural and if you are going through that injury just accept that as part of the process because you're going to have an initial peak, right? Like we, we have a, a, a girl that she tore her ACL in high school prior to coming here. And, you know, the first week that we assessed her, she was in like the six, nine range in terms of, you know, sprinting speed. And now she's at a seven, three, mm-hmm. but like, and that's quick, right. in a couple of weeks, that's a huge jump right. in a couple of right. weeks. And that's partly being exposed to a new environment and new training, but
0: that's not going to continue for very long. Right exactly it uh it, it's it's not but it's 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 knowing what you're measuring and knowing that the closer you get to your ceiling the smaller the jumps will be but the important thing is staying staying at your ceiling are you staying as close as possible to 100 percent you not driving down to 95 or 90 or 85 and that's um, and
1: that's with all training right i right, think that's right. the
0: big thing and, and i and i
1: say to everybody like if you know it's not a good day You need to maximize the day, right? Like, exactly. exactly. Let's say, let's say you run eight meters per second and you get your first rep in and it's a seven seven, which is nowhere near that eight. You can either mail it in and run a seven two, or you can maximize it and run another seven seven. You're like, you maximize that day, and that is. To me, the definition of when you are rehabbing these injuries, you have to bring it every day. It might not be great all the time, Mm -hmm. but you want to become a better athlete and get back to your former self and to surpass that, you got to bring it every day.
0: Yes, and having enough – you don't want too many priorities, but having a few. So it's like, all right, I don't have my speed today, but guess what? I can get really strong. Or, hey, like my range of motion isn't great today, but guess what? My swelling's down and I'm walking better. uh, I'm off my crutches, things like that. Having a few different priority buckets. If you're not feeling one, or your body's not responding to one, you can pivot towards another one that's important. That's going to push you towards your goals. Um, Because if you only focus on one thing, you're not going to have that one thing every day. You're not going to be at your top speed every single day. But guess what? What are the other things you can do uh, that day? And again, it's effort. It's results based. It might be a bad day, but what's your effort? What's your mentality? Are you helping? You know the the. I don't know if you saw this video this week. Um, And as a Giants fan, maybe you you hate Tom Brady, but
1: he. uh, (laughs) I
0: love Tom Brady. Two and Oh, I do. Okay. (laughs) (laughs) He was talking about when he was a backup. He'd get like two reps. He's like, I made those the best reps of my life. And two turned to four. Four turned to ten. Ten turned to twenty. And some people can laugh at that, but guess what? When he was in ninth grade, he was the backup on the B team that was zero and eight. And when he went to Michigan, he didn't play all the time, and he wasn't drafted first. And he was back in New England, like he and he he turned into you know the most the most winning quarterback or player of all time. So um, it's about having that mentality of how can I make the best of today, even when things are going against me. And it's hard. It's hard, and I'm. I'm sure with all of your injuries you've had through and all the re- successful recoveries you've had, it's hard when you're hurt to keep that attitude because it's really easy to mail it in. And and that's the thing. It's,
1: it's mentality because I yeah. think what you'll see is right. Like it's just natural. Some athletes are, are and more people. They're more strong willed than, than others. Um, you know, they might have an easier time. Um, but mentality affects everything, how you approach the, the rehab, like, oh, is this a waste of time? Like you just said, those, those beginning weeks, are you saying, oh, this is a waste? If you think it's a waste, it's going to be a waste. And then right. you're not going to be able to attack the big stuff because you didn't take care of the necessary steps in the beginning. So mentality is everything. And just accepting the fact that, listen, not every day is the best day. But if you continue to build, I always say when we get in season, I'm like, you got to stack days. That's our yep. number one stacking days, right? And, and I mm-hmm. always say it's like building a pyramid. And at the end of the day, we're trying to build the biggest pyramid. So some days that, you know, that block might be small. Other days it might be large, but it doesn't matter. As long as you're continuing to stack blocks each and every day, you'll continue to maximize
0: wh- what your potential actually is and what you can potentially reach. I like that a lot because today is important. Every day is important. And every day is dependent on the days before it. So it all matters. Today matters. Yesterday mattered. Last week mattered. Because you're building something huge. You're not going to build it all in one day. Uh, and if you take too many days off, you're going to notice. It's and like it's read- just a great mentality. Yeah, It's
1: like reading a book, right? Like yep. you can't just read the book in one day and you can't get mad that you didn't finish it. But if you read a right. page a day, at the end of the day, you've accumulated all this knowledge from reading those yes. pages. So consistent effort. That's the best way to recover uh, from any injury.
0: Right. And it, it's going to put your, you're going to have energy and it's usually, it can be put towards, you know, why me? This is terrible. I hate this. I don't want to go back to my sport. You can do all that negative stuff or you can put all that energy to what workout can I do today? Uh, what can coach give me some different? What can my therapist give me something different? Oh, how am I attacking today? You're going to have energy. Where are you going to put it? And, I just had a conversation with the coach today. He had two athletes, they tore their ACLs at the same time. One of them, positive attitude, the other one, negative attitude. Obviously, there's other factors involved, but the positive attitude one got back to the sport, ended up playing the NFL. Wow. Negative attitude one, transferred to schools, still complained about it. And it just, there's more to it than mentality, but mentality is the ultimate controllable. So if you're going to, if you want to control something, control the attitude and effort. Yeah, no, that's extremely well
1: said. Um,
0: I guess we can open it for any questions to
1: see if anyone has anything they want to ask Tom, did you want to talk about, you know, I know you offer a great, uh, remote training program. Uh, why don't you just take a second to talk about that and, and, and what you offer?
0: Yeah. So I work remotely with people who have, uh, who are struggling with knee pain, uh, especially chronic pain, meniscus tears, things like that. Um, I'll help you get out of pain, get back to the sports that you want to do. Um and I do that all remotely. So you can do everything from home, from the gym that you go to. Um and and the best way to find me is here on Twitter or X, rebranded as X now, (laughs) and uh still not used to that. Um at Tom Broback, best way to get a hold of me. Um so if you have any questions, comments, issues, would love to chat about uh what's going on with your knee and and how we can get you better.
1: Yeah, and Tom, you're my uh go-to resource when I have a question uh about injuries of any kind whether to myself or, or <laughs> my athletes <laughs> i remember when i when i hurt my groin you're like well you're moving in a straight line all the time you got to do some different
0: things i'm like that, that's a good point <laughs> it, it's sometimes it's just you ask them, i ask people questions all the time and they kind of look at me like that's an easy question i'm like i'm stuck in my head i need help and they're like do the obvious thing it's like oh yeah you get blinded by your own uh everything I guess so um, of course but yeah talk about talk about your training a little bit
1: yeah yeah so uh same thing uh a different a little bit different uh avenue we do um you know I do re- remote training as well in person as well but really uh growing on the remote side and you know we offer sports performance programs and I think there are a lot of trainers out there that offer different types of training whether it's speed work or lifting or jumping and make these claims um you know uh, basically the program i'm offering it's a total package you know we do sprints jumps and lifts three days a week uh and if you're willing to commit three months of training uh whatever your specific goal is whether you're a high school athlete who wants to play college collegiate athlete who wants to play professional professional looking to elevate their level or uh, you know, you're post-collegiate and you're just trying to restore that athleticism that you once had. Cause to me, that's a huge point. Uh, and, and the people that I love working with, it's, it's people that weren't trained properly in college and they think, Hey, you know, most of our careers end at 21, 22, you have the rest of your mm-hmm. life to train. And, uh, I, I love working with clients. I, I I'm very selective with who I work with. I, I want to make sure that we're committed. Um, mm-hmm. All all of our results are, are guaranteed. We have a testing system that we do pre and post. So if you if you guys are interested, just reach out to me here on, on X, uh, Keith J Ferrara, and uh, you know we can get you started immediately. Um, and you know everything I like. Everything we offer is, is like I'm all in, right? Like just like you, Tom. When when we take a client on, we're all in. It's not. Hey, here's the program. Go do it and come back. It's like no, we're actively involved uh, with our athletes on, on a daily basis, and you know, it, it really is s- some great services that we're offering. So, you know, if, if you guys are
0: interested in all at either one, reach out to me or Tom, and we can get things rolling. Perfect. Yeah, and we can literally help anybody because either you're on the rehab side or you're on the train side. Basically, your whole life. So, it uh, it, it we can we can always be of help. Uh, no matter, no matter uh, who it is. So uh, before we go here, do, I do have a super important question. Uh, Giants this weekend, who are they playing, how are they looking? <laughs> uh, Giants playing the Seahawks
1: Monday Night Football. A oh, huge Monday game. Night. Okay, very so, good. So uh, I'm going to make a claim right now. If we win, big playoff contention. If we lose, season's over. Yeah, wow. This is a make-or-break game. All right. This, yeah, this well- is it. Danny Dimes, I okay. think, is elite. He doesn't have an elite offensive line. Um, so this is it. So Monday will be the ter- determining factor for the G-Men. You heard it here first. All right. Uh, the Vikes got the
0: and 3 Oh, Vikings. Let me tell you, there's uh, a
1: lot of talk here in New York about
0: Kirk Cousins to the Jets. I don't know that's,
1: what the potential is, but that's what the rumor
0: is here. Yeah, I don't know either, but... Uh, we uh you know what? They're 0-3. They have more turnovers than uh, any team I've ever seen in my life. <laughs> but we do have the best wide receiver in football. So it's not even a question. If we can uh, if we can just get him the ball. I mean, he's got he's got like four hundred and fifty yards already, but um, and it's so funny, we, I don't I don't know yeah. what the
1: talk is amongst
0: Viking fans. I don't find Kirk Cousins to be the issue. He uh he, he's 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 not the He's not this year. He's not, you know, he's, he's had a few fumbles, but he's it. It's, there's a lot of factors that go in there. Right. So uh, you gotta, you gotta convert uh, end of the game. Um, seemed like there was some communication issues from coaches, the offense against uh, the chargers, but you know, get on track Carolina and just, just keep one game at a time, just like training, right? One day at a time, <laughs> right. That's bring it. your best <laughs> effort that day. So, um, but yeah, tough starts for both our teams this year. Hopefully it turns around yeah you know why tom i I hope
1: it does because i was waiting all year for this so this is (laughs) kind (laughs) of (laughs) devastating i'm like oh this is it we made so many moves. i'm like "I'm, i'm feeling it i hear the radio they're like oh man and then i hear mike evans is available they're like you know if the giants do that that's a super bowl move and then you know we get uh the, the old zero on game one, and I'm like, all right, reality hit your fist
0: Oh, you always have next year, right? That's exactly. What we keep
1: telling ourselves, so. yeah, yeah. But uh, this was awesome. This will be. Yeah, uh, let's let's do this again next week. Um, but yeah, this was a real pleasure, and uh, I look forward to doing more of these.
0: Awesome. Uh, yeah, great chatting Keith as always. I hope everyone listening to this gains a lot. Any questions for either of us? Shoot us a message, and uh, we'll be doing more of these. So jump on in the future. All right, awesome man. God bless, and uh, yeah. we'll, we'll talk soon. Yeah, have a good night.